welcome to the latest podcast from the Recruitment and Employment Confederation. We're bringing you the latest updates and insights from the world of recruitment to help you navigate these challenging times. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the REC podcast, Talking Recruitment. I'm Neil Carberry, the REC Chief Executive. Thank you for joining us once again for another run around some of the big issues that we're facing as a sector as we navigate our way through and build back better from this coronavirus crisis. One of the big issues that we've been dealing with as an organisation in the last few weeks is that flip back from preservation that we saw during the lockdown into getting fit for the future. Our webinars, which run every Thursday, of course, available to you to help with that. And of course, some of the deep thinking around changes to the uh, furlough scheme and to the future shape of your workforce. Uh, The legal team here at the REC, very keen to help you with that, not only on the helpline, but check out some of the new Legal Bite Size videos that are on our social media feed and the usual email updates coming out to you uh, this week. One other thing to look out for for us, we've got our latest jobs outlook that's due out on the 23rd of June, and that'll be an important signal as to uh, clients' hiring intentions as we go through uh, the first couple of months of this recovery. I'm really looking to see whether that slight uptick in confidence that we took from seeing 100,000 new jobs join the jobs boards in the first week of June in our jobs recovery tracker, see whether that persists and there's a, a tentative sign of some recovery from the period the period we've been through since the middle of March. For today, we want to dig into that question of leadership in a time of change and thinking about how we can handle uh, issues with uh, staff and staff engagement well, both as we go through the extended period of the lockdown and as we come out of it and we deal with the many changes that businesses have to face. I'm absolutely delighted to uh, be able to welcome Susan Clues, the Chief Executive of ACAS, to the podcast today. Welcome, Susan. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Neil. It's my pleasure to be with you. So, Susan, um, many people will know ACAS maybe from the from the end of the uh, the employment relations phrase we all love, gone to ACAS. But tell us a little bit about what ACAS does, because it's a really wide-ranging service for employers and employees alike. That's absolutely right, Neil. I mean, ACAS is the workplace experts. That's how we see ourselves and our customers view us too. So we answer workplace questions right through from issues like pay or redundancy through to things like diversity and mental health. So we provide information early on to help people get things right at work and create really good workplaces. And if things go wrong, we're there to help too through our helpline, um, our website or through conciliation as well. And of course, the helpline takes a significant volume of calls. So one of the things we can uh, we can rest assured of as we talk through some of these issues over the next few minutes is that the ACAS team has been seeing examples of how companies are, are doing things uh, well and uh, and facing up to challenges across the whole of the the, U, the UK economy. But let's start with that question about leadership, uh, because I think it's um it's critical and we've had a few guests on the uh, on the pod and we talked about leadership in a time of crisis and how you support a group of people uh, through uh, what is a very challenging time whatever kind of business or public authority you work in what have you learned through this crisis about the role of leadership in managing these times of really deep and unpredictable change I think you're right to focus on leadership, Neil, because it's one of the things that really helps 
organisations through these difficult times. I think if you'd asked me about leadership a few months ago, I'd probably have focused on areas like communication, but I'd also have talked about being decisive, you know, setting a clear purpose. But I think leadership during the pandemic has really made us think about how we work with our people and how we provide clarity for people and purpose when, to be honest, life's been absolutely turned upside down. And, you know, there are organisations with people furloughed, people working at home for the first time and really challenging personal situations too. So I think there's something very clearly for me about being very open and honest with your people, having that personal dialogue about what's happening in the business reassuring people and being clear about how you're there to help them as well as run the business. Um, and it's those sorts of qualities of leadership that I think have been most successful during this crisis, rather than just some of the more uh, traditional features of leadership. That's interesting. I think um, one of the things the REC team are probably sick of hearing me say is that leadership isn't a job role, it's a behaviour. And we expect it from all sorts of people who uh, who work in our organisations. What does the... What does remoteness do to that? You know, lots of managers in all of our organisations are working with teams, some of whom they know well because they've worked with, with for them for years. Some people may have started a new job with a new manager in February. Um, that that kind of remoteness in the managerial relationships uh, is challenging for any leader. What sort of steps do you see as important to making sure those relationships work? Yeah, I think that's a, a great point to make. It is hard, isn't it? And it's hard for leaders who are used to seeing people on a daily basis. And as a leader, you feel you need to be in control of things and you should have all the answers. And of course, you don't always feel like that, I think, in these very changed situations. I think it's helpful if leaders kind of acknowledge those things. So you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be kind of good enough and grow your confidence and skills as you work along here. And I think I've noticed that working with your team working individually and trying to work out what works for you as a team and you as a leader and that could look different in different situations depending as you say on whether people are used to remote working or not but I think also it's about remembering that some things still happen just in slightly different ways so it's still really important to engage your team and ask for ideas it's still important to consult your trade unions if you have a union you just need to do it in different ways using virtual channels or um, whatever you've got to hand really um, and I think that kind of seeking support yourself as a manager I've heard people use the analogy of being on an aeroplane and you kind of have to put your own oxygen mask on first so look after yourself as a leader remember your own well-being is important too as well as working with your team and that's really interesting Susan and I do think a lot of this is about how you build and maintain trust in uh, relationships within the bi the business. I remember talking to uh, Paul Novak at uh, the TUC, and and we were discussing you know how much of employee relations, is, you know tra trade union negotiation or working in works councils is done across the table when you're sitting around together, and and how much is done around the table when you're discussing the nature of the problem and uh, what possible options are in a less formal way. I know you recognise that a lot from the kind of collective conciliation work that uh, the ACAS does. Um, that, how, how 
do should we be thinking about investing in building up that trust in an environment where we don't have the kind of the edges of the room or the water cooler moment to uh, uh, to to reach out on a more human level? Well, I think that's incredibly important, isn't it? Because trust does come partly from some of those kind of soft behaviours and the corridor conversations, which we're not having so much at the moment. So I think that means organisations have to work really hard to maintain trust. And I think that's through a range of options. It's things like being really honest and clear with employees. It's about maintaining your relationships with your employees and with your trade union reps, if you have them, or your worker forums. And that might mean extra meetings because you're not bumping into the corridor, that kind of thing. Um, And I think it's kind of listening out for feedback as well, because as leaders and managers, we don't always know how our actions are being perceived. And so just getting feedback from people, asking those questions really about how are you feeling? You know, how are things from your point of view? And usually people will tell you, and that's all part of having a workplace culture where people are prepared to give you feedback and give their views. And I think that helps incredibly well to build up trust. Trust, I I tend to think, is one of those commodities that takes quite a lot of effort to build up, but it's really worth it when you do and you have to look after it and invest in trust to keep it for the long term. Yeah, I think that's right. And what I've certainly seen with a lot of the organisations I work with is that the systems that were put in place in March were often ones which relied very heavily on the formal structure of the organisation. And and that's really important in lots of ways. But you also need to be thinking about investing in the informal structure of the organisation. So uh, particularly around getting colleagues talking to each other, making sure not everything that comes up gets elevated up the organisation where the stakes are always higher in in discussions and getting people talking to each other, you know, little things like, you know, having a regular coffee with coffee over Zoom or Teams with someone from a, an, another team, thinking about uh, meetings with a, a, a kind of certain, a greater tolerance for a bit of social chit chat at the beginning and end, just because people aren't having that. Those things seem to me to inject a little bit of humanity into into what could be quite a mechanistic approach to work and we know that you know that sense of belonging and ownership is really important to important to productivity and maintaining productivity especially as a, at a time like this i think that's right and, and people work out the best ways of doing that you know there's absolutely no need i think to send out you know organization wide instructions telling people how to keep in touch obviously create the climate where you enable people to to have those sorts of conversations but they'll work out whether it's a a quarter of an hour quiz that their team does once a week or it's a virtual coffee morning I mean I've heard of colleagues in in ACAS having virtual yoga sessions goodness knows how that works but it works for them so uh, so it's good to empower people actually to work out solutions for themselves yeah and of course the um the interesting thing about things like virtual yoga, as I've seen in one organisation I'm quite close to, is you might have a rule for um, uh, a, a rule for work meetings that cameras are always on. Uh, but for virtual yoga, what you're trying to do is increase participation and therefore cameras might want to be off as uh, people might be very comfortable with cameras on in their work gear, but not too keen on seeing colleagues in their yoga gear. And just thinking about those little contextual things really works to help people feel comfortable in the working environment that we now have with people working working at home. I think let me just take this on a little bit, uh, Susan, because I think 
a lot of this thinking about trust and distant management and the right leadership styles and communication, you know, we they really stretched businesses in March and April as we um, as we entered and then went through the lockdown. Of course, now we're starting to open up and there's the prospect of the ending of some of those big government support schemes like the coronavirus job retention scheme coming. And companies are having to make some really difficult decisions about their future and how they ad- adapt to a, a, a fundamentally different world. Um, and that, of course, throws up having to have some really difficult conversations with staff where you know, perhaps jobs can't be saved or you have to ask people to do different things or restructure work to uh, to uh, the people may be doing fewer hours. There's a whole slew of potential changes um, that have two big effects. One, they're difficult things, but you want to do them well. And secondly, you want to have, not to lose that focus on staff well-being at what is a stressful time. What are the what what kind of advice does ACAS offer to people who are leading businesses? You know, REC members listen to this. Many of them will be owner operators of businesses with 15, 20 staff, maybe. Um, think it, what sort of advice would ACAS offer to that kind of uh, business where the owner operator is thinking about the survival of the business as we come through this and 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 how to kind of navigate what is difficult territory well. Yeah, it's an incredibly challenging time at the moment, isn't it? And trying to think about how best to get your business back on its feet to help the business survive must be incredibly challenging to business owners. And um, I mean, I think they're doing a brilliant job to try and uh, look after the business and look after their people as well. I suppose some of the advice that, that ACAS would give is to not make really hasty decisions, but to think through options and alternatives to things like redundancy. If there's any way that you can keep your workforce through alternative, you know, flexible working, reducing uh, the amount of hours people do to try and keep your your workforce together, I think is often helpful. Um, if you've got a trade union, then then clearly you'd want to be talking with your reps about possible changes um, because that might have bearings on collective agreements and things. And to talk to individuals as well directly where you haven't got a trade union about the changes you're planning because it might be that there are other options um, that employees have that might be um, easier and more palatable for them within the workforce. Um, but change, I think, you know, will have to happen in a lot of companies. We, we recognise that. And I think focusing, again, on the well-being of your people as they go through change is important, particularly on the back of the earlier phases of the pandemic. And people are probably feeling a bit worn down at the moment. And a research from ACAS shows that, um, you know, a high a higher number of people than usual are feeling stressed when they're working from home or are suffering from mental health issues. So I think handle that change as sensitively as you can do is really important. You'll have to think about issues like training managers to have difficult conversations if they're not highly skilled in that area already. 
Um, and you can seek help. I mean, ACAS is happy to um, act as a sounding board to employers if if that conversation is helpful for you. I think that's uh, a really powerful offer and that piece around handling difficult conversations well, both to support staff's well-being and frankly, not to store up problems for the, for the company in the uh, weeks and months to come. You know, one of the big lessons from this crisis is that people will remember how companies behaved in this time and and they understand that redundancies cannot be avoided. You know, as the Chancellor of the Exchequer said, there's no way you can preserve every job. But there's a, there are a set of ways in which companies can handle redundancies well, which I think are really important to the long-term success of a company, not just about uh, getting the size right for the market that exists, but because the people who stay at the company who aren't affected by the redundancy will see how the company behaves. And I think that coming back to that point about trust that you mentioned earlier, that's going to be super important to the long-term engagement of staff in the company. And, and that will that that will cast a long shadow over future performance. From my point of view, I just think that um, there, there's a real risk in some of these areas that the kind of urgency and importance come into conflict. And we saw that a little bit at the beginning of the crisis where you had uh, government urgently sending out a message to companies to wait until they heard about the uh, the furlough scheme before they made their decisions about any redundancies. And I think we, there's an element of this now as we're coming through towards the end of the furlough scheme and companies are having to make some big long-term uh, decisions, which is, yes, it may be urgent to reduce costs, uh, and, and that's very legitimate, but you want to do that in a way that supports some of the important long-term things you're dealing with. I mean, most obviously, you know, thinking about the events of the last few weeks, uh, issues like inclusion, diversity, uh, thinking about how you build back better as an organisation in terms of uh, how you're engaging your people, even though you're currently doing some very difficult things. Is that a concern to ACAS, that, that perhaps we step backwards a bit on some of the progress that we've made uh, over the last few years? I think it is possible if we dash into action or companies dash into action without thinking about how they're implementing change. And I think undoubtedly the how you go about introducing changes, whether that's restructuring or downsizing, does matter as, as well as what you're actually doing in the end result. And although people wouldn't be happy with um, perhaps restructuring if it changes their job, I think if they understand why it needs to happen and that you've looked as an employer at the best way of implementing it and you've listened to employees and taken their ideas into account when you're making decisions, that goes a long way to helping people kind of stay engaged with the organisation. It's not perfect and it's not easy, I accept that, but I think you're right, we need to think really carefully about how we engage with our employees in difficult times as well as kind of better times and people will notice that and they will, um, I think, contribute their very best when they've been treated well by employers. So yeah, I think that is important. And we were talking before the coronavirus hit about good work, about what good work looks like. And I think that's just as important now in the COVID situation um, as it was prior to, to COVID. 
that's a, a great place to start to draw things together. And I'm glad you finished on good work because one of the things you might know about recruitment and staffing is we are nothing if not ambitious. And that's why uh, at the REC, we say we're all about making great work happen because it's like uh, it's like turning the amp up to 11 in Spinal Tap. Um, we, we, we set ourselves big and ambitious goals, even in these difficult times. And I think your insight from across the work of ACAS has been really powerful on today's podcast. I mean, listeners will be facing some difficult decisions in their individual businesses over the next few months, driven by what is likely to be a really tightening cash position over the net, over the summer. In terms of accessing ACAS services, where should they be looking? The easiest place to find ACAS is to go online and acas.org.uk. We've got advice on coronavirus, but a whole range of other resources as well, from mental health to redundancy. And also on the website, you can find our helpline number and talk to one of our advisors. And they're available to help with those really practical um, bits of advice or to signpost you to other people if that's appropriate too. And don't worry if things are feeling pretty overwhelming in your business do ask for help because that's what we're there for and we've got resources too that might be useful to companies or your workers so we've got things like online training and e-learning as well so please do explore our website and uh, come and find us because we'd love to work with you and I think really important to emphasize at this point that um, in a world where businesses are cash constrained, much of that advice is available to businesses uh, free of charge, uh, all sorts of uh, really powerful start, uh, things to think about as you as you uh, start off on a decision about how you're going to manage change in your business. Um, do have a look at the ACAS website. The helpline is incredibly useful on specific questions, but uh, a lot of answers can be picked up online as well. Uh, and of course, as uh, REC members have access to the REC legal, legal helpline as well, which is available to all members free of charge. So lots of resources there for you as you think about um, how to navigate the path ahead and really do it well, which I think is a, a theme of the, the discussion we've had this afternoon, Susan. Uh, thank you very much for joining me on the pod. It's been a real pleasure to host you. I've enjoyed the conversation, Neil. Thank you. And thank you to all of you for listening to this latest edition of the REC podcast. If you've enjoyed this one, there's lots of uh, content in the in the back catalogue that's worth a to look. If you're thinking about the impact of unemployment on the uh, UK labour market, episode 22 with Tony Wilson of the Institute for Employment Studies, or 23 with our own Tom Hadley looking at the work we're doing to help the recruitment industry contribute to the fight against unemployment. Those are both really good listens. If you're thinking about more about uh, how you keep staff engaged in this time, uh, Nita Clark from the Involvement and Participation Association joined us on episode 20. Another good listen uh, along, the, uh, along the theme that we've been exploring with Susan today. Thank you very much for listening and join us again soon on another episode of the REC podcast. Thank you for listening. We hope you found this episode helpful Head to our COVID-19 hub on www.rec.uk.com forward slash COVID-19 for the latest guidance on managing your business during these unprecedented times.